y'all. Welcome to season six. Season six of This Most Unbelievable Life. I'm Sherry Spiegel. I'm Paul Fitzgerald. We're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon, Sherry. How are you today? I'm well. I'm also two hours in the future. Uh, how's it? What's it like? What happened? So, what am I in for? Um. Well, what are you in for? Uh, seems like hot weather and okay. um some sunshine and uh some humidity. It sounds like a lovely July day in Virginia. I am not in Virginia, as you alluded to. Yes, that's why I'm in the future, and you are. You're in, in the, the future. Past. Bringing up the rear mm-hmm. in the distant, mm-hmm. distant past. It is only what is it, one thirty or so here where I am. That makes sense. Close to two o'clock. Close to two. Yeah, um, I'm in Utah. You are in Utah. Yeah. yeah. So you're in a different time zone. Yeah, and there's one in between. That's a different one too. So it's true. Two years back. It's been a while since I've been on a plane. It's been a while since I've been at a different time zone. That was an experience. Yeah. It's always interesting, like, I don't know, marking the passage of, like, these artificial constructs of time that we have created for ourselves. It it really is. And I was doing the math. It was like, it has been 20 months, three weeks, and four days since I've been on an airplane. And yet here I am again. It's like, yeah. For some reason, that notion of, like, keeping track of the time is meaningful. I think I posted a thing on Instagram. It's like, it's been almost two years since I've been on a plane Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, Yeah. It's interesting because we're coming up on this passage of time where I am normally traveling. Um, mm -hmm. So I am normally at a conference uh, for writing program administrators, Mm -hmm. either for my wedding anniversary or for my birthday. Um, and so my wedding anniversary is in two days. From I was going to say, those are really close. Those yeah, really they close. are. Um, so normally, like for, I don't know, for almost like six or eight years, I think, I celebrated every wedding anniversary I had uh, with Mark Blauhera, who is not mm-hmm. my husband. Um, <laughs> so we were at stuff for our graduate program. We were at conferences together. Um, and so then it always feels funny like at my on my anniversary i send him pictures of me and my actual husband being like yeah not saying wish you were here but it feels like you should be yeah right you know? right so. right i mean yeah we we've done pretty good with with anniversaries we've we usually go somewhere for that span or or close to it for a while our anniversary was uh fell fell on a convention that we would volunteer at Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like at least we were doing something together. You know, we've we've been out traveling around uh, for for some of them. Uh, one of one of the few th- things that I planned really really well is when we got married. I was like on our tenth on our tenth anniversary, we're going to be in Paris. And by God, ten years to the day later, we were actually in Paris during a time of unseasonable cold. And why is it snowing in Paris in late May? And all the rains. The river cruises were shut down because the water was too high and you couldn't get under the bridges. But we were in Paris. What are you going to do? It's yeah. lovely. It's wonderful. That is lovely. So, yeah, these things that we do to mark the passage of time and keeping track of time are 
are interesting. And uh, there was some thing that somebody was saying a while ago on, it's like just how, how people think about time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of different ways to, to sort of do that. And, you know, if, if you talk and, you know, this is not my own personal knowledge base. So it's like, I'm, I'm like remembering from what somebody else said. So if I'm completely wrong, I guess I can't avoid credit for that totally but we'll like, edit this out this later um a lot of a lot of native cultures that are not you know the result of colonialism right especially in the new world um but it, but in others as well um it's like you you count days what mm-hmm. you know um time time is not quite as rigorous as boxes on a piece of paper on a wall that every month you flip over to the next one and there's exactly 12 of those you know um Sort of, sort of Mayans, notwithstanding, right. but it, it's like time. When when you described when something happened, you would not say, you know, June fifteenth, two thousand and four. You would say before that flood, but mm-hmm. after uh, that time when Bob fell out of that tree. You know, it would, it would be more like event based. Yeah, event based, not like absolute duration of incremental moments Mm -hmm. ago or or, or a momentous thing quite like that my mom always marks time like and it's interesting that i never really thought about this much uh before now but she will often say many moons ago Mm -hmm. um you Mm -hmm. know so she'll mark time with moons Um, yeah and i think one of the things that they were saying is that a lot of people and we see this now you know we, we even see this now some of this event-based time sort of coming in that people just like refer to something that happened as before the pandemic. Yep. And, and after the, it's like before the pandemic and after the pandemic, that's going to be one of these like benchmark things that everybody remembers. That's going to be this golden spike that gets put in. Yeah. Where everything was like before it or after the steam engine, um, yeah. world war one, uh, nine 11. Right. 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 It's, it's like, Things has changed, right? And so there are these these cultural touchstones that I think a lot of communities have and, and cultures have that um, people describe time that way too. It's not just this on this date in yeah. history kind of thing. I think it's interesting too how you know a lot of those you know landmark moments are moments, right? And so I think one of mm-hmm. the things that's so interesting about before the pandemic is. And after the pandemic is that there was also during the pandemic. So it's like, right. it's not the one and done. It's, you know, a longer period. And I think, you know, the other things that we have to relate that to are like war times, I think. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, but we have just gone through a period of transition, um, a marker of time that you resonate with. I do. I do resonate with a marker of time, probably more so than um, other more official markers of time, um, which is pretty interesting. And yeah. I mean, I mark time in places. I mean, what, I'm, I'm trying to think during a year, what is what is it that I actually celebrate? We usually eat somewhere on my birthday. Uh, we'll do an anniversary thing. Uh, interestingly, like New Year's Eve. It's like we're usually in bed by like 1030. It's mm-hmm. like, do you want to watch the ball drop? It's like, no, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. It's like, all right, cool. Uh, we don't really notice a big difference between December 31st and January 1st, you know, except for, well, it used to be 
you know, the only time you really caught it was when you wrote a check and you mm-hmm. put the year wrong. But I mean, who does that? Do you think part, so obviously we're, or it may not be obvious yet, but so we are thinking about marking the middle of the year, July 1st, mm-hmm. as sort of a turning point. Um, and do you think the mm-hmm. significance of that has something to do with the fact that you live your life on academic calendars? In, yeah, entirely. Entirely. Yeah. That's I think that's the basis of it. And um, I don't know if I really saw it that way uh, before I started I was gonna say, before I started academic things, but I think that means before I was like five, because yeah. I've been pretty much straight through my whole before life. Before I understood calendars. Ex- except for that time when I had a job at a, as an administrator in a public school district, in which case I still marked the calendar by, you know, the academic, academic year. years. Yeah. Um, long story short, yeah, for me, July 1st is yeah. more of a, of a New Year situation than, um, than, January, than January 1st, which means I sort of, my fiscal year is sort of my actual year. Mm-hmm. as well yeah. and it's like the and, and i mean our our employer a community college in the united states would probably say the same thing i mean their operational calendar ends on june 30th and the new one begins on july 1st they follow the fiscal mm-hmm. with all their budget all their planning all their other kind of stuff and you know i've been noticing especially since i've you know actually stopped teaching in the summer that i do the same thing Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, all of my, you know, by on June 30th, it's like, okay, all that junk that I was kind of carrying with me, all the good times, all the bad times, all the hard times, all the easy ones, all that, um, on January 30th, all that gets parked. And July 1st, we're on to the next thing. Yeah. I, I'm not a, I'm not a look back kind of guy for long. So what are we doing? What are we doing next? And how do I show up best for what comes after July 1st? So yeah, so it's like my, my life calendar in my own operative calendar sort of follows the the fiscal year of business as well. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because even when I have taught in the summer in the past, um, I usually try to teach as a lot of full-time faculty do, I think um, teach during the first six weeks so that Mm -hmm. I'm still observing that mile marker of, all right, it's June 29th, get those grades in so that the decks are cleared by July 1st. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've always sort of had this, affinity for the month of July, but I've always likened it to just being excited about birthday month. Um, but it is anniversary month, right? Right. It is now anniversary month. Um, and even, um, like, I don't know, like all the best things that happen to me seem to happen in July. Um, even, uh, Eric and I got engaged on July 16th. We got married on July 15th. Um, so yeah, there's just a, a whole lot of good comes in whole July. Lot of good in July, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so um, so yeah, I really love the month of July, um, in part because like things are heating up, um, and so there's something generative about that heat. It's like it's go time in a way. Yeah, I I can't escape a feeling in July that all right something's coming and I. Guess I need to start showing up for that. Willingly so. I mean, it's not like I'm getting dragged into it, you know, but it's like, yeah. All right. What's next? You yeah. know, let's, get, let's get on with it. Let's, let's, let's do the thing that's going to be the next thing that we do. Um, mm-hmm. Always seems to be re- regenerated in July. Um, yeah. I think really, um, I don't know if I've ever taught a half of a summer 
either mm-hmm. it was either both sessions of it or one long session that went throughout. And when I was doing that, um, I, I think that the the sense of turnover from June from June thirtieth to July first was sort of muted mm-hmm. or masked by that a little bit. Yeah. Um, just because like I have actual things to worry about. You know, it's like, what am I doing this year coming up? I have I'm teaching class in three hours. You know, three hours. So I, I got to be ready for that. Who has time to think about what the year brings? Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized, you know, the entirety of my planning for the next year and everything I want to do was was crunched into the time between like the final exam for the last summer session and two yeah. weeks later or whatever when the when the fall. Wondering why you know, we started the fall being completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder what that's about. And uh, I don't have that now, but I do really notice that that July first um, flip, mm-hmm. you know, that little switch that flips. In me. Well, and it's I, a good one. I mean, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I mean, this is a fantastic thing. I mean, it's like, it, and I, it's like, I really notice it. So I think that there is a spaciousness to that flip that I don't see December 31st, January 1st, right? No, not so, at all. Not at all. So not like, all. you know, New Year's for us, it is still in between semesters, but that spring semester is going to be on us, like... In a hot second. Yeah, like nothing you can do. <clears throat> and because it's in the dark of winter, th- there doesn't seem to be something that's really feeding a refueled. Um, and I always notice that my spring semesters start really hard uh, and end really strong. Yeah, right. Um, and so I think some of it's related to that. Um, but yeah, so I think summer, that July 1st transition... Um, it's, it, there's a spaciousness to it that we would, that I don't find, uh, with New Year's. Yeah. Yeah. With the time around it to, to, to actually sort of pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, January 1st, you know, what, what, what is usually consumed on January 1st? Are the leftovers from December thirty first? So it's like you just <laughs> it's like direct lines are being drawn from what happened yesterday to today. And it's like you're, you're absolutely right because um, I, I was thinking about that too when I when I was kind of working through this in my own mind a little bit. It's cold. It's dark. It, it's, you know, it's like on that very first day of the of the spring semester. We call it spring semester, but let's not kid ourselves. It's January. It's the middle of January. There's nothing spring about it, you know? Um, yeah. Everything looks exactly the way that it did yeah. when the past semester ended. It looks the same outside. Uh, it, a, lot of your, a lot of times the kids are, are similar because you had them last semester and you have them again in the follow-up course. So it's like there's just a lot of lines that you can directly draw from December 31st to January 1st that sort of – it's like that'll prevent it, but they sort of mask any – renewal or sense of newness right or rebirth that, that or realignment that you might there's there's no realignment that happens between december and january for me anyway and it's like i right. can only speak for myself certainly not with my job you know certainly not in what i do during the course of a day yeah well know? yeah and i think that you know this point of January 1st, we're still eating the leftovers of December 31st, right? Even if our intentions have changed, <laughs> right? This might be one of the reasons they fail, right? Yeah, yeah, so right. There's not a lot of 
change, but it is There's nothing different. Yeah, except the only thing that's different is this one thing that I promised to do, and I'm going to start that when it's cold, dark, and I'm still eating the leftovers. From, it's like the yeah. chances of that succeeding are low. Right. So, you know, and yeah. I'm hungover from whatever <laughs> happened. Yeah. So July for me has, you know, thinking about it in terms of food, July has a very different feel to me. Um, it's funny because our last episode was all about shepherd's pie, which is great New Year's food. A terrible July 1st food. Terrible July food, yeah. Right? But there is um, there is kind of this thing that happens uh, in me around the beginning of July where what I want to be consuming changes. Um, and one thing that I noticed is as we were ending the semester, I became very utilitarian about food. Mm-hmm. Like... I lost my creativity in the kitchen. I just wanted to consume food. Like, it was whatever. Right. And so something happened around July 1st where I was like, you know, it, it reminds me of something you would say. Like, this has gone on long enough. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and so we, um, we made some decisions, uh, my husband and I, to change how we were eating in part because... I wanted the circumstances to be right, to let my creativity come back to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it's like, I love summer food, July food. Yeah. Um, right. Like, you know, there's the saying about corn in Virginia, like it's, you know, got to be knee high by the 4th of July. Right, right. And so as soon as July comes in, like, I want to be eating like cucumbers and tomatoes and corn. And I want a direct line from me to the farm where my food was grown. None of the shepherd's pie no. nonsense. But man, I tell you, that was good. But, you know, <laughs> as I was cooking it, I was like, what am I doing this in July? It's like, this is not July food. It's like, I'm not using July ingredients. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Uh, boy, it was good. But uh, listen to the previous episode to hear about what all that might have been about but um, indeed it was tasty but yeah i mean this is the i mean when you were rattling off the list it's like tomatoes and cucumbers and it was corn it's like yeah that sounds pretty good mm -hmm. that sounds pretty good mm -hmm. you know um that's tasty stuff there's something to be said for seasonal eating and if you really do have that that tie-in to what's local what's available what's around um if i wanted to eat a seasonal seasonal meals that are seasonally appropriate Mm -hmm. Where I'm not eating stuff that is shipped up from, you know, Chile or Australia or wherever on a shipping container. Yeah. Um. That that's going to look different. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a diet that's going to look different. And you know, if if I, I felt that similar way before, we you feel stagnation in in what you're eating. It's like God, oh, I'm just uh, I've lost all creativity in the kitchen whatever you know i go to safeway and it's like uh, i can't do anything with any of this um one good way to kick yourself out of that is just limit yourself to seasonally available local stuff and mm -hmm. you can find some creativity in that what yeah. if i just had these things that i can find on a farm within a 50 mile radius yeah what does that look like you know and you end up with all kinds of great stuff well all and kinds of great stuff part of it for me is that's how we ate when i was a kid because mm -hmm. my my grandparents had this amazing, like, garden in their backyard. Um, and, you know, we spent a lot of time in that garden as kids. And I'd been thinking a ton about this garden. Um, 
so much so that like I'm like itching to get my hands in some dirt because mm-hmm. it's um I just realized how how intimately connected to to that garden I was. Um but that was always peas, um green beans, um not peas. Uh I hate peas. <laughs> so, I hate peas? Yeah. Yeah. Peas. So now that's we'll out. talk about that. We'll talk about yeah. that later. Yeah. Um, green beans, carrots, um, tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, those were like the highlights that I remember. Uh, and we would make pickles. My grandmother would always make pickle, uh, which both you and I have made pickles. Yeah, I was going to say you had a pretty recent pickled experience, didn't you? Yeah. When was that? Uh, that was a few hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> walk, walk us through what happened. Oh, uh, what did happen? Um, so I had a call with you earlier today so that I could show off my new kittens. Mm-hmm. New kittens. Uh, yes. Yep. They're and I mentioned that I had a bunch of cucumbers, and you mentioned you recently had a bunch of cucumbers, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that I could make cucumbers or i can make pickles without all that nonsense of boiling and blah 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 um and that was the thing that had kept me from making cucumbers is my grand or pickles because my grandmother always had you know her canning pot and yeah right all the apparatus that goes with that and i just have a bunch of little mason jars that i right make my refrigerator oats in um so then you mentioned uh that you had made some pickles Mm mm-hmm and so I decided to take what I remembered from our conversation about what you did and wing it. And so in <laughs> about three to five days, we'll find out yeah. what I have. So what did you do when you made them? Uh, well, the context was uh, about a week ago, um, we went to our, our CSA and they had like this huge pile of literally like pickling cucumbers, like the actual cucumbers that pickles mm-hmm. are made of, I guess. Um there's, was a little like, one. there's tons of tons of these cucumbers. Just, you know, take all that you you sort of want within reason. And so we grabbed like 10, 15 of these things mm-hmm. and brought them home. So it's like, well, we can always make pickles, which I had never done before. But it's like, yeah, we just make some pickles because that's what we do. You know, that was just how am I going to get myself out of this mess? So I think some of these cucumbers, they, some of them ended up on sandwiches. Some of them mm-hmm. ended up, you know, just take a good cucumber and slice it and Put a little salt on it and eat it or, you yeah. know, put it on a salad, you know, good stuff. Put it on a salad. It's all mm-hmm. great. Um, but then it was like um, going to Utah for a week. And I know for a fact these cucumbers are probably not going to survive the refrigerator <laughs> for a week. So what can I do with these cucumbers to preserve them in a way that they're edible in a week from now? Obviously, pickles is the is the answer there. Yeah. So I Googled it and Got a, a good pickling recipe that doesn't require all that nonsense and mess, which of boiling and all this other kind of stuff. Now, caveat here. Um, if you're cooking up, you know, a huge thing of pickles that you want to eat six months from now, yes, go through all of those intricate sterilization, make sure everything is sterile and clean, all that other kind of stuff. You're just going to have a lot of bad pickles, yeah. you know, um, later on. Um, but this is like this quick and dirty three to five days You'll have pickles. It's like, don't wait. They're not to be looked at in October. They're to be eaten in a week from now. Uh-huh. You know, um, any uh, equal parts vinegar and water, some, some salt, some sugar, whatever spices you want. Slice the pickles or slice the cucumbers, put them in a jar, 
pour the liquid on the top, seal the top and throw it in the fridge. You know, presto, a couple of days, you know, you got, you got, you got pickles. But it was like, I got to come up with something to do with these cucumbers because I don't, I'm sort of a waste not whatnot kind of guy. You know, yeah. I don't like throwing food away. And so I wanted to do something good with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did try some, you know, before we left and they're super good. Good. Super good, you know, and you can do anything. Dill, red pepper flakes, garlic. You're, the, the possibilities are, are endless. They're not something that's going to end up in the refrigerator a couple of months from now. They're going to they're gonna yeah. disappear pretty quick. Well, so this is the thing with cucumber. There are a lot of foods that if they enter my house, they will exit quite quickly. Um, right. So cucumbers are one of them. Eric and I are both fans of cucumbers. I didn't used to be, but I have become quite a fan of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I particularly like to spiral them and put them in beverages. You, said you had a cucumber spiraler. spiraler. I do, yeah. So, um, I like to have spiraled cucumber in with a bit of gin and tonic. Delightful, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a thing Yum. you should try. Um, but yeah, so there's those. We also, um, you know, we got this beautiful box of uh vegetables and fruits from our uh share crop uh yesterday mm-hmm. um but one of the things when we started talking about this all of this conversation started with a blog post that by the time this episode comes out that's fair i feel like paul will have posted dear listener i have just subtly challenged fall <laughs> yeah the gauntlet has been thrown right uh <laughs> Yeah, I think that's. A, I think we can be comfortable with that statement, though. Okay. I think. I mean, it, it it's it's coming along pretty pretty good, and it is sort of related to to this. Not the, not the cucumber, pickle part, as much as uh, the refrigerator. Yeah. Sort of sort mm-hmm. of part of it, and um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to do a like a dad joke of you know I, this blog on cucumbers and pickles. I got it cooking somewhere, so we'll see how. <laughs> Uh, no, it was cooking pretty good yesterday. I rode, I rode much of it on the plane, plane ride out here, uh, sitting in the middle seat between two very kind other people who were patient with my laptop use in the middle of the, of the of the row. Um, and yeah, it was about the refrigerator and the stuff that collects in it. So I mean, it it, it totally fits in with the whole, this whole pickle thing because it's like these pickles are not something that is going to be sorting out in your refrigerator in October or November. They're not going to last long. They're, they're a new thing that you're doing that is going to have its full expression quickly. And it's not going to be sitting around next, you know, you're not going to be eating them on January 1st. Yeah. You know, at least not these pickles anyway. Um, but what what uh, I've noticed about my own refrigerator use, well, these pickles that I recently made are currently residing and waiting for me. They'll be great by the time I get back. Um all kinds of experiments are in there. You know, my, my refrigerator is a chemistry lab almost more than just about anything else. There's, it's a whole geological history of experiments over the last, you know, year, month, six months, eight months, whatever. Of, ah, I remember when I made that. No, yeah, there's still some of that left in there. It's like, if I get rid of all the fresh stuff, if I get rid of all of the... You know, we eat everything we can that doesn't go bad before we, we leave. You know, eat all the consumables that are, you know, time sensitive for consumption. Half of my refrigerator is still full. Mm. You know, it's like 
I would have thought there would be more space in this refrigerator <laughs> after eating every and, and using everything that is perishable. So I find out that there is a large number of things that are either non-perishable that have been in there for a thousand years or very perishable and have since perished. <laughs> Yet there they remain in a state of eternal preservation, waiting for a future anthropologist to come along and excavate them to learn yeah. about our culture <laughs> from those heady days of 2021. And... Um, <laughs> Pickled so herring like, from... like like when like the pyramids or something, you know? Yeah. It's like, my God, what is this stuff? I, I'm unfamiliar with their ways of hoarding experiments <laughs> in the refrigerators as if they're eternal. Um but I And think... so like this whole analogy started to come together on what does what does the fiscal new year and June first have anything to do with this crap that I can't get out of my refrigerator, right? And this whole narrative like erupted out of the out of the topsoil here uh to this interesting little little story yeah it's interesting and i haven't even read that story so i don't know what will come as much as our listeners um but i do think the analogy is one that is quite fruitful um and one to be preserved now i'm just being ridiculous but um i think that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you're with me you're with me um, <laughs> but um, I have not yet soured to your uh, analogies. <laughs> What's the bill with it? Sorry, in a pod. Um, but one of the things I was um recently discussing refrigerator uh maintenance, I guess, with yeah, uh, right. my sister in law, um, because she recently restructured the items that were in her refrigerator, um to instead of putting all of her produce in the crisper drawer, Uh decided to put them all in the door and then took all those condiments and put them in the crisper drawer so that the produce would have top billing. Yeah, pride of place, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that there are a lot of interesting, like, things that we do about, you know, the the parts of our life that we showcase versus the parts of our life that we hide away. Right. Um, there's so much metaphor to be played with in the Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it's an endless wellspring of metaphor. Yeah. Like all throughout. It's like it uh, it just doesn't end. Yeah. Um so do you want to give us a teaser of how you were unpacking that metaphor? Um I'll I can give some teasers as to as to where it is now. Um There are some good uh, operative operative suggestions on on how to un- unload one's stuff cuz ultimately that's the hard part. All this stuff that's in the refrigerator was kept for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of what my mom used to always say, my grandmother. It's a similar mindset for people who live through the Depression. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a perfectly good bread bag. Why would I throw that away? Or, I don't know, I might use this one day. Or, you know, and, and so, you know what my mom ended up, ended up doing with the, the bread bag that she saved? Saving You know what them. she would put in there? Bread bags. Yeah, she would use it to keep all the other bread bags that she saved. They were perfectly good. It's like what you end up with when you do that is nothing more than a bag, a bread bag with a hundred bread bags in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, is this <laughs> what? What's the what's the plan? What's the plan of action here on how these things are going to get? It's like if you got a plan for these, great. You know, um, some of the folks um, in the more rural, far regions of uh, where my family is is from in southern Missouri in Iron County. They, they can make uh, like rugs 
like hmm. like place placemats, rugs, and things like that by weaving like bread bags together. Nice. You know, it's like it works. It's like yeah. a macrame bread bag thing, and it's like, hey man, they're cheap. You have them, and it works. It does the job. It you know, um, you can get creative with these kind of things. My mom was not doing that. She was putting <laughs> them in a bag and putting them in the basement. Bless her heart. <laughs> you know. Um, and it wasn't just bread bags. Um, you know what you do with the yogurt containers that are perfectly good yogurt containers? Well, you use it to stack more yogurt containers. In. Um, and so ultimately it comes down to if when, when you consume everything that you're legitimately interested in consuming, that you see as fitting into your life on the daily, out of your refrigerator, and you look at your refrigerator and it's like, I only have room in this refrigerator for uh, a, a little bit of new stuff because there's still all this stuff in it that is either not being used or has gone bad and I just haven't gotten rid of it or it's just being unaddressed or forgotten. It's like, how do I get rid of all of this extra stuff in my refrigerator to make more space for the new? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'll just kind of put a blank line after new and you can fill in that blank on anywhere you want to go from here on out. Um, there are a couple of rules that, that that you can use on how to get rid of stuff. But, you know, the, the big arching analogy that I made is if you want to do new stuff but you feel like you can't because you got too much going on in your life right now, by what process do you get rid of that stuff and, and bring to a close those things that are keeping you from bringing new stuff in? And, and that way, it ties into the fiscal year, June 30th, July Yeah. June 30th, July 1st thing because it's like you're going to close the, close the books. You're going to cut off funding. You're going to terminate, do final reports on all that stuff in that previous fiscal year. And you're going to replenish your budgets on July 1st for the stuff you want to do moving forward. So it works a lot of ways. Rules being things like on how to get rid of this junk that is keeping you from bringing new stuff in. It's the same one that my wife said um, when uh, thinking about, I have all this clothes. How do I know what clothes to keep and what clothes to get rid of? Because the closet is full. I mean, there's closet analogies in here too. Yeah. You know, you're tired of your clothes and you want to get new clothes, but your closet is full. So what clothes do you get rid of? You know, and the, the solution there is um, take all the hangers, you know, so the, the hook is facing in one direction. Mm -hmm. And then you wait two months. If the hook is still facing in that direction, out. You haven't touched it in two months. It's time to go. This is notwithstanding winter clothes versus summer clothes and things like that. Right, You know, right. it's like, if I haven't worn this shirt in six months, I'm probably not going to wear it tomorrow. I'm not going to wear it in the next week. It's like, I haven't touched this item of clothing in a year. Yeah, but... What, am I suddenly going to wear it tomorrow because I feel like it? The chances are low, well, if not zero, that it will. But we keep things in our closet. We keep things in our refrigerator. You know, first, we keep things on our calendar, um, because we have this connection to like the concept of special occasion or the right. right moment, right? Like half the condiments that are in your refrigerator are either because, you know, you bought them for some sort of special thing. Someone mm -hmm. important to you brought them into your home and left them, um, or maybe not important, but some human not, left yeah. them behind, right? Um, and like a lot of the stuff, you know, when we go through our fridge and are trying to do that audit, you know, it's like, oh, well, what's this? Oh, well, we might make that random specific curry again. 
Uh, so we hang on to it. And so, you know, well, is it bad yet? No, not yet. Let's wait until Put the next audit <laughs> and see if it's still bad. Put it back um, in. You know, and we, you know, it's, it's so there's this ritualized like, well, we've got to keep this because it's special or it's tied to possibility or it's related to potential. And I mean, ultimately, I think this is where, you know, it's not like we're telling people to marry Kondu their refrigerators or right, their right, life, right, right, right. but to some extent we kind of are. Um, I think that there's something to be said for taking stock of what's in your refrigerator, what's in your life, mm-hmm. and then noticing how that impacts your day-to-day life, right? Like yeah. if all the artifacts of your prior cooking experiments are taking up prime real estate, do you have space to get excited about new experiments? Yeah. And the guilt doesn't help, right? Of knowing that you're, you're hanging on to all this stuff, you know, and I pray nobody wants to waste stuff. I mean, nobody wants to put stuff down the drain. Nobody wants to throw stuff in the trash. Nobody wants to throw stuff in the recycle bin. And so it's like, I'm not, we're not necessarily condoning. I mean, if it went bad, just throw it out. It's fine. You know, it's like, yeah. it'll be our secret. Nobody's going to tell. It went bad out with it. It'll be go- it'll be okay, you know. Um, I have an I have an interesting yeah, it's, story. It's, it's all these reasons, yeah. It's all these reasons why we we hold on to this stuff that we're curious. Yeah, I have an interesting story about how people handle that guilt mm. of how you clean out something like your fridge or your cabinet. Um, so a lot of times when I pop over to my church, uh, I will find bags of uh, pantry items just hanging mm-hmm. out. And so one of the things that people seem to do um, when they're cleaning out their cabinets or when, you know, perhaps a loved one dies is they think instead of tossing all this food, they will bring it to the church and that they will do a good thing by giving it to this faith community. Um, but, you know, a lot of our work with um, with food, you know, pantries and with, uh, you know, food distribution like one of the things we try to do is give people access to the exact kind of foods we would want to eat you know fresh foods yeah, right. and things yeah. like that not right. the dregs of your pantry correct. correct right and so instead of dealing with this guilt uh there's this weird way that people are like oh i'll do a nice thing i'll donate it to this church yeah right and then they'll be like oh i can feel so good i did this good thing but then, you know, there are humans who have to then find, figure out what to do with someone else's cleared out pantry. Right, right. Um, so it is important to responsibly make choices for the things you discard, I think. It, it is. And not to look the gift horse in the mouse or anything like anything like that. But um, the, the poor suffering recipients of food pantry items at the church do not want your five-year-old jello. They just don't. You know, it's like <laughs> at least respect them enough to like go to Safeway and buy some proper stuff or some right. stuff that's actually worth something. So there's so, some certainly something uh, to be said, yeah, f- um, for that. And so yeah, so in that way, it's like so. What do you do with the ten year old Jello? Pitch it, recycle the cardboard. It's like you don't want to be wasteful, but it's like aren't you doing that already by? Just like hanging on to it, not using it. You know, it's it's just staring into a face, reminding you that it's still there and no good is coming out of any of it. You Make know, it so into like, a really... Time to, time to let go of this. 
maybe make it into a really interesting art project, right? Like, you know, that jello can become a really interesting Jackson Pollock. Yeah, if you can turn it into a science project or something, you can do that, you know. Right? Yeah. Sometimes it's kind of a no harm, no foul situation. But I mean, once you once that clearing out of of that refrigerator of, of your life, right, sort of yeah. sort of happens or your closet or whatever analogies you want to make. Then it's like, okay, you have this nice empty refrigerator. Um, what does this mean in terms of what I can do now? And you can start thinking of other things that you can do and other things that you can fit into it, realizing um, that the objective is not to fill it again, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's sort of this notion that, um, and I don't know if this came out of like the 50s and it's like the industrialization of the of our society after the second world war or food preservation technology or whatever. But this notion of like this abundant pantry and refrigerator that is full with fresh food all the time is a sign of success. It doesn't have to go that way. Um, I think, I think the surefire way to make sure that you throw out a lot of food is to always keep your refrigerator full. Right. Cause it's like, I think we overestimate how much stuff we really need. Um, I think we um, don't do a good job of portion portion sizing and portion control with how much of something we're really gonna gonna need and, and eat and things like that. Um, and it's like when we think about what it is that's going on within me and what I'm feeling and what needs I have, that also resulted in this refrigerator becoming completely clogged and jammed and unable to house new things in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, why is there so much stuff in here at all? You know. Um, when I I open the door of the refrigerator and I look at the refrigerator door, there's condiments in here. It's like, why is this full? You know, mm-hmm. and I can look at each one of those things. It's like, that is for that. And that is for that. And that is for that. And for this thing, I need this. And I use this for this other thing. And we always have to have some of this just in case, blah, blah, blah. And then I think back and it's like, I'm one person. I'm one person. You know, how complex of a diet do I really need here? And if I really had a use for all this stuff, wouldn't it have been used by now? Hmm. It's past its expiration date, you know? So it's like, there seems to be a little bit of, there's just a disconnection between um, the the stories of what is valuable and useful at the time in in my refrigerator and what I actually what I actually do. Yeah. You know, well, seem to not seem, they don't seem to line up as, as well, you know, and it's like, that's what I, I sort of see more than anything else. When I look in my refrigerator, like I'm not, not my metaphorical refrigerator, but like my actual refrigerator, yeah. you know, and all the stuff in it, metaphors aside, it's like, how closely do my intentions for, for things that I, that I get match up with what I actually do and who I actually am. And right. the percentage of space in my refrigerator on the daily is pretty much equivalent to that. So if 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 half my refrigerator is clogged up with junk um, mm-hmm. that I really don't use, it's about fifty percent. Yeah, well, and I think part of this, you know, is about appetite, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, is what you have in your fridge what you have an appetite for, right? Do you find the food in your fridge appetizing, right? Um, and I think this is true for life, like. You know, I think a couple of years ago, I realized my life was full and I found many of the things in my life unappetizing. Mm -hmm. 
but I didn't go clean out the fridge. I was just like, well, you know, and so this is the thing is like, you can, you can have a full life. You can be busy all the time. Right. 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 And you can find your life completely unappetizing. Um, but, you know, one of the things for me, like, I love it when my fridge is kind of mostly empty. Um, yeah. You know, I like it cleaned out so I know what's there. I can take stock easy. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. A lot of times when I like clean, I feel like I now have to say like the literal fig refrigerator and the metaphor. And when I do clean out the the literal refrigerator, it's like, oh, I didn't know I still had that. Yeah. A lot of it is stuff that's like jammed in the back that it's like, oh, I have two of these because I bought it again because I didn't I didn't remember or I didn't I didn't see that it was in there in the first place. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, I feel like there's probably some really interesting like. Um emotional baggage like childhood trauma metaphor here too like you don't remember yeah. buying it you don't know it's there but it's still in the back of the fridge and boy is it smelling up the whole thing right yeah and like, you didn't you didn't realize how much space it took up until after you got rid of it and set it down then it's like oh boy that was heavier than i thought yeah that was yeah. heavier than i thought mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i think Cleaning out the fridge is a good metaphor, I think. It's generative. We can all relate to it. We all need to do it. Mm -hmm. And yet, I have so many kinds of mustard in my fridge right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, for me, it's hot sauce. I have like, we actually had a rule that was self-imposed, me upon myself, because this, like, this is getting out of hand. No new hot sauces come in the house until I finish one. <laughs> You know, so it's like no new hot sauce until I, you know, it's a one in, one out situation. I gave you a bad you know. gift the last time I went to uh, Strasbourg, Then, Well, I have a, well, uh, I, have, <laughs> I have a jar of Barack Obama hot sauce that I got at Safeway after, and the, I guess the answer is yes, by now it is uh, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. But it's like it belongs in the Smithsonian more than my refrigerator at this point, you know. And it's like unopened because it's – but I don't want to use it because then it'll be gone. And what am I – you know. It's like it might taste like total junk. I have no idea. Um, but then it's like a the, collector's item. It's nostalgia, right? It's nostalgia. But it's like it's in the refrigerator. So clearly it must be nostalgia, the thing I'm going to use. Yeah. And so – but I mean, again, this is part of the July 1st. So what is to be done with – what do I do with this? What do I do with this? You know, um, options include saying, am I, is this really something I really want to hang on to? And, you know, the, you know, uh, and tr open it, try it, see how it is. If it's good, use it. If it's not, pitch it or sell it, <laughs> sell it on eBay yeah. <laughs> as a collector's item, you know, throw it up there for a week and see if anybody bites you know, and if they do, great. And if not, you know, you know, that's informative as well. Maybe it's not the collector's item I thought it was, you know, or just use it and don't even think twice about it and, and be done with it or just pitch it and don't think twice about it and be done with it. So, but it's like, yet it remains. So it, it, it is not something that, and, and so it's like, I, I have to, I'm not going to open it until I can make the case that it is the next one to open when I already have like nine others that are already open that I know about that I'm not emotionally attached to and what that gets you 
when you when I live like that is a bread bag that hangs out in the basement that has a hundred bread bags in it. Mm-hmm. Where the bread bag is good for holding bread bags. Yeah. You know, it's like it ends up with the circularity of, well, then I guess it's going to be there for the next 5,000 years. You know, whoever buys the house after us is going to get uh, a, a bottle of Barack Obama hot sauce. And depending on their political leanings, will either increase or decrease the value of that <laughs> of that property. Um, but when I look in there, it's like there's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff like that in there. And it's like, what am I doing with this stuff? What am I doing with this stuff? And, you know, by what process do I take the action to, to bring this, whatever it is, to to solution where at least if I'm keeping it, at least I have a good reason for keeping it. And if I'm getting rid of it, then it's like, I'm, I know I'm just going to feel lighter and freer for it, for it because it's not just this thing taking up space in my brain and staring me at the face every time I open the refrigerator door. You know, so in this blog, I'm, I'm trying to work in as many sort of useful, try this, think about it this way, you know, mm-hmm. maybe go through this check down process to see if it's something to keep or not, to see how it goes. And I think that, Dr. Spiegel, July 1st is the time to do this over January 1st. And you know why? Why? Be- I'm glad you asked. Because um, why is it that in January 1st, here in the Northern Hemisphere, in the temperate climate, we're still eating leftovers from uh, from December 31st. Stuff is roasted. Stuff is um, cooked in large batches. Soups, stews, shepherd's pie slash cottage pie, depending on the meat you put in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we sort of came up with. Um, whatever it is, it's as low and slow, cook long, in large batches, you know, keep us going for a couple of days in these dreary days of winter. Summer food is ephemeral. Those cucumbers don't last long. Those salads don't last long. Those tomatoes don't last long. That corn doesn't sure. last long. You know, um, the turnover rate is higher, I think, with summer foods than with, you're not doing cooking, you know, a huge pot of stew and putting it in, you know, and eating it for leftovers when it's 100 degrees outside. You're just mm-hmm. not, you know. So it's like the nature of the, the, the nature of food itself when it's hot outside lends itself, I think, to the high turnover that is helpful um, when doing this clean out thing, doing mm-hmm. this clean out thing. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to make up something where it doesn't belong there, but it feels kind of, kind of right to me. You know. Mm-hmm. I think if you, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of that makes sense to me, right? Yeah, because yeah, the food of summer is not meant to last forever. It's not. Yeah, and that's that, that's what defines some, what summer tomatoes are. They're here and then they're gone. Um, cucumbers they're here and then they're gone right um, and, and I think it it brings with it this kind of anticipation like because we know like it's not forever like that kind of corn there's nothing more disappointing to me than getting corn in like November right, right. so sad yeah if, I mean if you want to get like locally grown kale um, no pesticides organic um Good to go. Looks beautiful. Tastes amazing. That's about a six week. Yeah. It's about a six, eight week window. You know, it's like after it starts to get warm out, but before um, the bugs and the groundhogs and everything feast themselves on it. You got about a six week, eight week window. This is one of my it's great gone. It's gone bits fall. of sadness you know? is um, I had gotten this beautiful thing of kale, right? Um, about a week ago. And uh, then... Eric and I had to leave town suddenly and I meant to take that kale 
and some pumpkin seeds and turn it into something of a pesto. Like a pesto, yeah. And I forgot. And so I came home to sadness in my crisper drawer. Yeah, that sticks. That's a bummer. There are all kinds of things you can do. Yeah. You know, the two things that we do with kale when we're... Don't taunt me with what could have been, Yeah, I know. Right, 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 right. This is like officially no longer, you know, how to, you know, different operative ways to take control over your life podcast. This is now cooking with Paul and Sherry, right? (laughs) Um, Pesto's good. Yeah, it's kale, pine nuts or sesame seeds or sunflower seeds or pumpkin, whatever, right? Pumpkin, yeah. We'll certainly do it. Sometimes if I have a lot of kale, I'll just take it. Don't do anything with it. Just leave it as a leaf. Put it in a bag. Put it in the freezer. Use it for smoothies. I should have done that. Yeah, just freeze it. God. Just freeze I, it. And I it's just... like, it's never going to be like textured the same way. You can't, you can't really saute it after that. Yeah. Throw it in the blender. Uh, see, that's the thing the is it was in my crisper drawer, so I forgot about it. See, my, my sister-in-law yeah, has a point. Yeah, she's onto something. I've done that myself. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, there's... Unique dangers that lurk in the freezer, too. It's true. Uh, there's stuff in the freezer. It's like, why is the freezer full? It's completely full. There's no room for anything in here. It's like, well, these experiments yeah. live there, too. <laughs> there too. Well, that's, that's, that's long-term storage of the experiments. That we, that's, we yeah, our freezer is always, well, we're going to, this will make a great stock. This will make a great stock. <laughs> right. This will be great to throw away in a year. Yeah. Yeah, and I've certainly done Because it has freezer burn. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so many rich metaphors between how we live our lives, I think. But it's like, when, when I'm thinking about how this is metaphorical to what can happen on July 30th versus, or sorry, June 30th versus July 1st, what hard conversations do you need to have that are going to mm-hmm. bring resolution to the thing that you're thinking about? Yeah. Um, how's your job going? Um, any changes you need to make there? Um any anything you're you know are you volunteering at a thing that just the time has come and gone and it's no longer serving you um and you want to dump it so you can kind of move on to this other thing um if you're going to put a fiscal plan together you can actually do that it's like if you're going to do like some financial planning for the next year july 1st ain't the worst time to do that that's the fiscal turnover anyway right you know um so it, it in a lot of ways i think it just makes a better date than the new year than Mm -hmm. december 31st january 1st and i I think for me a big part of it it's just that i'm gonna freeze my ass off on new year's eve i'm gonna freeze my ass off on new year's day what's the damn difference it's cold and it's dark is this the best time to really feel optimistic about making the changes in your life well and as you're for me the answer is like no right it's not and as you're talking about this idea of freezing in this the winter the other thing, and, and we're thinking about the liter, literal refrigerator, Right. I think there's something to be said for thinking about what you just want to put on ice for now, right? Like, yeah. summer sometimes is a time not to to totally pitch things, right? But to put them on, like, put them in the freezer and thaw them out in the winter, right? Like, um, there are things, even, you know, you and I have things that we were doing all through the academic year. That when summer came, we said, you know what, let's put this on pause. Put this on pause, yeah. Um, and maybe we'll thaw it out in the fall. Um, but for now, it needs to be on stick ice, it, right? Because it it's just, yeah. it's not sustainable, right? It's like that yeah. kale. It's going to yeah, go bad. Stuff, yeah, that's the stuff that you might want to hang on to, but you don't want to see it every yeah. day. Right? Yeah. It's like, you know what, I'm going to shelve it for a yep. bit. Yeah, so. You know, so. Yeah. 
generative metaphor. Yeah, yeah, the freezer off. It's like, that's for things like fruit to put in smoothies and kale that you don't want to <laughs> lose while you're away for a week, as the case may be. Or, you know, if you have a penchant for frozen pizzas uh, and things like that, that's not the worst place to, to put them. I have two Emo's pizzas in my freezer right now as we speak that I'm anxiously looking forward to. Um, uh, but it's like, that's, that's a lot of times it is. It's like, it's, it's where stuff goes to be forgotten. Sort yeah. of. You yeah. Know? And there's, there's that, there's that as well. Forgotten, but you know, I don't want to have to think about it, but it is still useful. Put it in the freezer. Awesome. So you can take up, you know, 10, 15, 20% of your storage space with freezer items. That's fine. That other 80% make it actually operational. Right. You know, stuff doesn't go in the refrigerator unless it's operational. Like yeah. to who you are right now. That's stuff right. for the now. Well, and I mean, sometimes I think the freezer might be the way of the slow yes too, right? Like could be. Yeah, could um, be. <clears throat> if you can't say yes to it today, don't say yes. Put it in the freezer, right? Yeah, could be. For sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. mm, I love metaphors. Yeah, there's it, it's like I'm, I'm typing this thing and I'm like, wow, this is just the metaphors never end with this <laughs> refrigerator thing. You know, I look forward to I look forward to reading the blog that I'm writing. <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes. Because yeah. yeah. I'm writing this thing. I was like, where's all this coming from? It's like, I'm just channeling here. I'm not actually, you know, this does yeah. not represent cleverness on my part. This is just, I'm just channeling this. Yeah, it's interesting because I've had uh, a blog kind of kicking around in the back of my head. Um, about the role of shade in the summer. Mm. So mm. perhaps we'll hear more about that soon. Yeah, well, Sherry, if nothing else, our podcast is seasonally appropriate. It is. And so, <laughs> so we have that going for us. We do. And that kind of came naturally to us when we... It did. Yeah, we did episodes on cycles, you know. And our, our seasons of our podcast... Or lined up with the seasons of the year, too. Yeah, we like seasons here at Paul and Jerry Incorporated. We do, we do, we do. do. Yeah, um, because I guess technically the beginning of summer is late June, right? On the the solstice. Yeah. It's like July, July 1st. It's not quite the middle of that season, but it just feels more like when the second half of the summer starts. I don't know. It's like that's when when the new year really begins for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clean out your fridge. Clean out your fridge. It's a good time to do it. It is. It's a good time to do it. now, when? Yeah. Well, not in December. Nobody wants to do that in December. Nobody wants to do that. Because, like, you're still eating leftovers and you're probably hungover and it's, like, it's dark and it's cold and uh, it's just... You know the other reason that cleaning out the fridge is such a nice thing to do in the summer? Why? Because it's warm outside, and sometimes yes. your house might be extra warm, so standing with your head in the fridge feels a lot better yeah. in the summer than it does. In <laughs> Cleaning the out the refrigerator is a nice warm weather activity. It is. It's not it's a good <laughs> cold weather. Yeah. In the middle of winter, you don't want to have your stick your head in the freezer for a while. No, you want to stick your head. Well, maybe not. That's not a good metaphor ever. Yeah, maybe not. Anywho, so cool. there it is, friends. Keep cool. Clean out awesome. your fridge. Yeah. yeah, keep cool. It's hot where we both are, so it's cracking 100 out here, but I have just decidedly lower humidity than you got in Virginia, so. Do Yeah, that's... Yeah, this third floor condo likes to... The walls of my building are old, so this building was built in the 40s, so it holds heat very well. 
which is mm-hmm. great in well, the, the winter. The rental car, right? The rental car that we have, you know, it's like we were driving around yesterday in like late afternoon in the valley, you know, in, in around Salt Lake City. And it's like the AC unit in that car was like barely keeping up with, yeah. <laughs> with 104 degrees, you know, uh, sun coming straight down. It was barely keeping up. Yeah. It's kind of funny. That's... Uh, heating and cooling is an interesting process. It is. It is. Cool. It's like, if it's not keeping up, stop trying to make it, right? Like, yeah, right. Just sweat. You'll feel just a lot sweat better. Just sweat will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the sweat's for. Yeah. Um, lovely recording with you today, Sherry. Indeed. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. And thanks so much for making it work here with the time zone differences that were... <laughs> Well, it wasn't any different Everything's for me. the same for you, actually. Yeah. Right? It's like, I think all the changes are really over here. So Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's different for me is your background looks different. Yeah. yeah There's yeah. literally a refrigerator in your background. Right. <laughs> and normally there is not. Normally there is not. Cool. So. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. Awesome. Well, have a great day, folks. Uh, it's been great talking at you for, for a little bit. And uh, I've, the gauntlet, as Dr. Spiegel has said, has been thrown. So I guess we'll look forward to reading the blog version of this here in a, here in a little bit. Whoop, whoop. And, uh, we'll let you all know. We'll let you all know. Follow me for more on how to get Paul Fitzgerald to do things. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of easy. Just tell him what he's going to do. And say, oh, cool. Yeah, Actually, no, it's not as easy as that. Because if it was, then the good people of Instagram would have feasted their eyes upon a picture of you in your very own Timul shirt. Oh, yeah. I still, I still have to do that. But me. alas, that has not happened. So, and that is my second gauntlet of the day, ladies and gentlemen. So I've got too I'm, much stuff in my metaphorical refrigerator. I need to, I need to clean some stuff out. Yeah, your Timul <laughs> fridge is getting... New stuff. How can I do that when I have all this other stuff I'm trying to trying to juggle? But that's exactly the damn point, though, of this whole yeah. conversation. Right? You know? Clean out your fridge, Paul. Clean out your fridge. Clean out your fridge. And take your team little selfie and finish your blog. And <laughs> clean out damn fridge, finish damn blog, right? And uh, get it posted, and we're good to go. We're doing it. Cool. Wonderful oh. episode seventy three. That's it. Whoop whoop. Oh. See you, folks. Bye. Well, thanks a lot. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a Paul podcast. Paul podcast, yes. 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 Cool.